Well, good morning and thank you for being with me today. We will be starting in John 21 through 18, and I'll get started right away. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Thank you for following along. We've recently looked to a lot of not-so-pretty pictures. We looked to the infamous day of Christ's crucifixion, the last two weeks, and before that, the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. Today, we shift directions yet again, but this time not just in the direction of people's responses, but to a new scene. Today, we shift directions as we see and celebrate Christ, the resurrected Lord. Yes, today, we no longer see a not-so-pretty picture, but instead a radical picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came into the world to save it, not to, to condemn it. Today we see a radical picture of the resurrection of Jesus, of which provides radical change for the disciples, and radical change for us today still too. All those who follow Christ as Lord should see that the resurrection story is also a recreation story. Yes, the resurrection story is a recreation story. One of lives being radically transformed, changed by grace. The resurrection story, it's a powerful story of redemption, of which we see the power of God bring life out of death and a change from condemnation to liberty, freedom, and a new hope to live in. We sometimes think God only stands in condemnation of us, but really he stands in loving kindness towards us, towards us. Today, 
we're going to see that the empty tomb story from John's gospel is also a recreation story. And that's something to celebrate. God is recreating the world in Jesus Christ. And he wants to recreate us too. That's good news. Let's get back to the story we started with. I want to reread the resurrection story in parts and point out some commentary and bring about some applications for our lives. Starting with John 20, 1 through 2, which tells us this. <clears throat> now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. As we begin to dive in, first notice this. The empty tomb story in John's gospel begins in darkness. Mary Magdalene is going to the tomb while it is still early and while it is still dark. The other gospel stories begin later when there is light, but here it is specifically noted it is early and it is dark. Here Mary arrives at the tomb and is shocked. She's dismayed, maybe even fearful as she finds the stone removed. What happens next? She runs off, finds Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, John, and frantically tells them that someone has taken away Jesus' body. And she doesn't know where he now is. Mary's concerns? They were legit. Tomb robbery was common in the ancient world. A crime committed by thieves. It was reasonable for her to assume that someone might have broken into the tomb and stolen Jesus' body. Until we see what they next find. Back to the scripture. The story continues in John 20, 3 through 10. And I'm sorry, this is not on the screen for you. But it says this. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. Notice, they weren't just going towards the tomb, they were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Notice next, Peter and the other disciple, John, they're shocked by Mary's report. They're shocked, and they run to the tomb so much that they run they hear the stone is removed the body is missing and they both get up and run the unnamed disciple john arrives first he bent down and peered into the tomb and saw nothing but strips of linen in fact i think he arrives at the tomb and he's just in such dismay or such shock such such bewilderment thinking how did the stone get removed? These were not light little things. They weren't made out of styrofoam like, or cardboard like vacation Bible school supplies. No, this was stone. But then Peter catches up, and he goes straight in. Jesus' body, it's gone. Only the strips of cloth had wrapped his body two days before remained. The unnamed disciple then enters the tomb and assesses the situation as well. And Scripture says, he saw and believed 
And this is one of the major themes of John. See and believe, believe and live in Christ Jesus as Lord. Not just the crucified Lord, the resurrected Lord. What did he see and believed? Well, one thought he saw the empty tomb and believed Mary's story that the body had been taken. For the next verse could indicate the disciples still did not understand at this point that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So not only had their Lord and teacher been brutally killed by crucifixion, which was a method of execution reserved for slaves, criminals, but now the body was gone. To them, they might have now thought, end of story, and they walked away, hopeless, back home. But to others, and I believe this, to others, one could also see that this is when they got it. They understood. In fact, the Greek word, I believe here, actually indicates an understanding. They saw and they believed with understanding. They now got it. They understood what Christ was finally talking about. And in this, you can also see in the linen cloth, see and understand that the linen cloths were there. The body had not been removed with them. The linen cloths were orderly, not removed in any normal way by the person wrapped in them. And then the linen cloths were orderly, not removed by the grave robbers or vandals. This brought understanding. A a robber, a thief, they're not going to take off the clothes and gently lay them, fold them over, and place them. If they removed them all, they would just throw them aside. Before moving forward, though, I want to also note, as far as we can tell, neither Peter nor the unnamed disciple, John, the one Jesus loved, offered Mary, who's weeping outside the tomb, any comfort or support. All Scripture says is they left and went back home. They left and went back home. Now, I'm sure that the two men were grieving in their own way and now shocked in their own way. But according to John, the two disciples simply walked out of the tomb and returned home. It sounds like as fast as they ran to the tomb... They now left for home. No mention is made of them seeing or acknowledging Mary and her pain. Nothing. But what we do see is Christ sees her. Jesus sees her. This makes me think, if they could miss this, what do we miss? What do we miss as we walk about our lives? What do we miss as we're grieving? What do we miss in our excitement? Maybe they were excited here at what they saw. And they left for home but they might have missed Mary. Now, it's all for God's purpose and will, for let's read on in 11 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she, stood, she stooped to look into the tomb. Makes me wonder, had she not looked in yet at all herself? Did she not see yet what the disciples had seen? Well, she stoops in and she looks. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, If you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, 
which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Now notice the scene, the disciples gone. But Mary, well, Mary stays at the tomb weeping. Now who is this Mary Magdalene? In Luke's gospel, Luke 8, 2-3, we learn that Mary was someone who had seven evil spirits come out of her. Jesus had healed her. We know that she was part of a small group of wealthy women who traveled with Jesus and his disciples and were helping support them. Out of their own means, scripture tells us. So Mary is one of Jesus' friends and supporters, a follower of his ministry. She apparently had a wealth to contribute to. She stood by him in life and now in death. Back to the story. The story continues to intrigue. Still weeping, Mary bends down to look into the tomb. And what does she see? She sees two angels in white where Jesus' body was. The angels ask what seems to be a ridiculous question. Woman, why are you weeping? Mary, still convinced that a tomb robbery had taken place, says, They have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Now at this point, Mary turns around and sees someone who she assumes is the gardener. She didn't recognize him, and the fact that the tomb is situated in a garden made her think this guy must be the gardener, or a caretaker, a groundskeeper. But it wasn't the gardener, it was her teacher, her Lord, her friend. It was Jesus. But she did not recognize him, not yet. He asked a woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Whom are you seeking? There's something great, a major point to discuss here. You see, something beautiful is emerging. Something beautiful is being created, growing in this story that must not be missed, skipped over, or ignored. She need not be weeping, but recognizing the gravity of what is happening. We too often grieve when we should be looking for what God is doing and standing in amazement. You see, Christians often weep, grieve, and grieve when they should be looking for what God is doing and standing amazed all while declaring of his glory. She says, my Jesus is gone. And it's pointed out to her, no, he's not. I am here. There's often times in our life that we maybe without words say the same, Jesus is gone. But Jesus is right there proclaiming, declaring, yelling out to her, screaming, no, I'm not. And here we see the same We'll get to that in a moment, but first, I want you to see, emerging out of here, this, some amazing similarities to be seen between Genesis and here in John 20. John gives us hints that point to both the beginning of his gospel and the beginning of the first book of the Bible, Genesis. Hear me out. How does Genesis open? In the beginning. How does John open? In the beginning. What does Genesis say about the earth? Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And how does our story open? While still dark, Mary went to the tomb. We have darkness in Genesis. We have darkness here in John. And where is Mary standing? Where is the tomb located? Maybe a stretch here, but in the garden. Where does the account of Adam and Eve take place? In a garden. The story of Adam and Eve is one that begins with life, but because of sin, it ends with death. And now here is a change. A recreation. 
The story in this garden began with death, but because of the goodness of God, because of Jesus, because of the resurrection, it ends in a recreation. You see, the recreation brings about, the resurrection brings about a recreation for God's people. What was dead in sin is being recreated in life. The resurrection of Jesus reverses the curse from Genesis and recreates the world in love and grace. It's a radical change, a radical reversal of sin's control upon the disciples and us today. God fixes us. Broken people are fixed and made new. One more thing. What did God do after he removed Adam and Eve from the garden? A flaming sword and something else was placed in front of the tree of life to protect it. And what else was placed in front? Angels. And who do we see here? Angels. You see, I believe we can see here in John the resurrection story. A recreation story. And it's a radical story which points all the way back to Genesis where sin entered humanity. Let's get back to the story. Let's read on. Verse 15 says, Jesus asked Mary, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. Instantly, that one word is all that was needed, and Mary recognized it's the risen Lord, her teacher, her friend. Notice, Jesus calls her by name. What a wonderful thing. He knows her. He sees her. And she hears him. Peter and the unnamed disciple, they left the garden without supporting her or acknowledging her pain. But Jesus sees. He knows. He acknowledges. He loves her and calls her by name. This is my point two for us today. You see, Jesus sees Mary, and he sees you today, too. He knows you, and he loves you, and he calls out to you. He sees you as you really are, not just as, he, as you pretend to be. He sees through any costumes you put on, any showmanship you put on for others. He really sees you in all your weakness, in all your struggles, in all your sin. He sees you, and yet he still calls out to you and loves you. And wants to recreate in you new life and change for the better, for his glory, for his kingdom. He sees your hurts, your disappointments, your resentments, your weaknesses, your struggles. He sees your hopes, your dreams, your desires. He sees you. And he calls out to you also. And he gives us all a mission. As Jesus calls out Mary, she gets so excited, she shouts out, Rabbani, which means teacher. She has, he has to settle her down. We can force on this excitement or on Jesus' recognition of her excitement, but it's not what we see happen. Scripture doesn't, doesn't give more attention to this. I believe there's more, but Scripture doesn't point to it. What he points to is a mission. Jesus tells her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. At this, Mary goes and she proclaims, I have seen the Lord. I want you to see another detail here in this great resurrection recreation story. Notice, the first garden story ends with them being cast out of the garden because of sin and death. The second garden story ends with Mary being sent out on assignment with the good news for life. The resurrection in the resurrection for God's people. Isn't that cool? 
You see, point three, the resurrection is the beginning of a recreation story. The beginning, not the end. We all have a new start. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the beginning of recreation. And Jesus will eventually say in Revelation 21.5, I am making everything new. Everything. By everything, he means us. And he will make the world new. His resurrection life and power are available to all that will choose to follow after him as Lord. Confess their sins, their unrighteousness, their wrongfulness against God and his ways and follow him in his ways. John's gospel says in chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that, that the world might be saved through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. God does not condemn you. One might condemn themselves, though, because of our sin, allowing the sin and the world's ways to control us instead of God. God has no animosity towards you, though. He loves you and wants to reconcile you to himself through Jesus' death on the cross. All you need to do is turn and accept that you are reconciled. Jesus has atoned for your sins. He took your place. Admit your need for a Savior, Lord. Admit the wrongfulness of sin and the rightfulness of God in his ways. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a turning point for all humanity. It's a turning point. It's when God and Christ began recreating his world and he is going to heal it all. He is going to wipe every tear from every eye and there will be no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. For the old order of things is passed away, Revelation 21, 4 tells us. My final point as I work to close is this. <clears throat> death has been defeated. Death has been defeated. Jesus was raised from the dead, and this death, and in this, death overcome. Jesus had to endure death, and we will someday as well. But we too can do, can do it knowing that because of Christ, we too will overcome death. He overcame it. Death itself has been defeated. 1 Corinthians 15, 20-23 tells us, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, and then we also read here, for in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Since death has been defeated, we no longer need to live in fear of it. Christ recreates our destinies to life. Christ recreates our destinies. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 55 powerfully states, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Have you lived in fear? Fear of death even? Let Jesus be our example. He had to endure it in order to overcome it. We too will one day endure it. But because of Christ, we too overcome it. We no longer need to live in fear. And one day, death won't just be defeated. It will be completely destroyed and gone for eternity. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says, The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Notice it's not... The Bible says that death will be destroyed, not just defeated to come back again, but destroyed. And as we work to conclude, I want to remind you this powerful truth. Jesus is alive. He is risen. And we are recreated with life. 
Live in this truth. Live in this truth. Remember to check your attitude at the door, as we said last week, and keep doing it. Live in the truth that Jesus is alive. And because of that, we have been recreated to be like him, living in life, in hope. God is recreating the world through him, and God wants to recreate you too. You've been made new through Christ, and he continues to do great work within you, your life, others, and all for the kingdom of God. Also, I want to remind you, Jesus sees you, he knows you intimately, and he calls you by name. One need not fear or weep, but stand amazed and declare of God's glory. Let me repeat that last part. One need not fear or weep, but stand amazed and declare God's glory. Do you hear him? Do you see him? Are you listening? Go on mission just like Mary. I have seen the risen Lord. We must all proclaim. Death has been defeated. New life is offered. One more closing thought or application here for you. A few life lessons from Mary Magdalene. A pastor once said this, Being a follower of Jesus Christ will result in hard times. Mary stood by Jesus as he suffered and died on the cross, saw him buried and came to the empty tomb on the third morning, early while it was still dark. Yet she never wavered. Mary Magdalene knew what she knew. As Christians, we too will be the target of ridicule and distrust. But we must hold on to the truth. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Know what you know and stand by what you know. Share what you know and stay in the know. Jesus is worth it. I'd like to close with reading to you 1 Corinthians 15. 58. It's on the screen for you. Therefore, my beloved brothers... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work for him is not done in vain. That is our challenge. That is what the new recreated life of a Christ follower is supposed to be. Let's pray and worship together before we depart. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the great reminders in it. We thank you for how it points not to death, not to Jesus succumbing to death, but into life, death being overcome, the recreation of us for hope and for your glory. May we live in this truth. Amen.